The following is paid programming brought to you by WT Wealth Management. Nothing we discuss should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational purposes only. Please do your own research and speak to an investment advisor or financial planner before making any investment decisions. Welcome to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. I'm your host, Jeff Horvitz. This week, we're going to discuss how geopolitical events impact the markets, also determining how much to save for retirement. And Glenn and I will also go over going back in time and picking that great company. Glenn Leist is a senior investment advisor with WT Wealth Management. You can learn more about Glenn by going to WTWealthManagement.com or Glenn is always available or nearly always available, Glenn, right? Yeah. By phone, 928-225-2474, 928-225-2474. And when people call up, it's no obligation. Uh, it's an, an initial talk. We yep. talked about this yep. last week. Uh, kind of find out where, where everyone's at and, and, yeah, and see if it's the right fit. Yeah, you bet. That's a, that the first the first appointment is us just getting to know them and them getting to know us. And then from there, we can kind of decide, hey, does it make sense for us to do some business together? And what does that look like? And, you know, how can we help you be successful sort of thing? Yeah. All right. And here's the number one more time. 928-225-2474. Let's get right into it. I mean, what's uh, an overlooked investing concept that you believe is crucial to people's investing success, Glenn? Ooh, that's a good one. Um Discipline, 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 discipline. A lot of times uh, what makes or breaks an investor is uh, staying the course and being disciplined to just do it day in and day out. Um, I know a lot of times we want to think that investing success is some complicated equation, but it's really you know quite simple. It's uh, saving plus investing plus time equals success. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, and so I think people struggle with the discipline part of it because uh, we're human, right? We, we see what's going on in the world. You know, it's easy to invest when things are going great, but when things are tough, um, you know, that's where our discipline is really sort of a challenge and try it is, you know, will we stay the course? It's just kind of like with working out, you know, if you've got a workout goal and you're making all this progress, you're super excited to work out. But what about those workouts where you're just like, eh, don't really feel it. Or I'm not, you know, I didn't lose any weight this week or didn't make any progress, you know, but you still need to go. You still need to keep it up, you know, in order to stay the course. So sometimes we hit those plateaus, if you will, either in our investing careers or in working out. And that's where staying the course and being disciplined really pays off uh, is that we just don't, you know, we don't quit while things are tough. We, we stay the course and that's where, you know, success long-term is really built. That's that emotional side that we've yeah. spoken about on so many uh, episodes mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Uh, it, it's very emotional when you see things happening, especially around the world. Yeah. Yeah. And especially right now, there's a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of things on the news to, to take in and digest. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to talk with Glenn, give him a call. 928-225-2474. That's 928-225-2474. How does the market, Glenn, price in events such as like we were just talking about and like everybody's it's been on their minds, mm-hmm. geopolitical conflicts, uh, uh, you know, rising interest rates or, or other economic news, good or bad? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the stock market is always forward looking. They're always looking into the future and saying, uh, let's price in tomorrow's events into today's pricing. And so not like they're trying to foretell the future, but 
they're looking at the writing on the wall and pricing that into today's market values. And so they do the same thing with companies. They look at a company and say, not only what are they doing today, but what have they got on the horizon? What are they doing? What kind of new products or services or new things are they developing? Or what's their growth potential? So pretty much everything in the stock market, it's always forward looking. So when you talk about how the market prices these in, take, for example, the um, Russia and Ukraine conflict, I think over the last month, uh, month and a half, since the beginning of the year, maybe the market's been pricing in that conflict. They're pricing in all the potential scenarios of, you know, what happens if uh, Ukraine goes to, you know, Ukraine is invaded by Russia and, and does the U.S. have to step in or other NATO countries have to step in? How does that look economically if we have to impose some sort of economic sanctions or even the market looks at rising interest rates? How will rising interest rates affect bond prices? How will it affect the mortgage rates? Uh, and will that uh, negatively impact certain uh certain areas of the economy. So that, yeah, the market's always forward looking. And the interesting thing is, is that if they've already kind of predetermined, this is what they think is going to happen. And the market comes back and says, um, this actually didn't happen the way we thought it would be. Like, so for example, say the market's going to, uh, that the federal reserve is going to raise rates five times Mm -hmm. and the market's kind of priced that in. And for some reason, if the federal reserve comes out and says, well, we said five, but we're only going to do three this year. Well, that would actually be considered good news in the markets. The markets would adjust accordingly. So um, anytime there's a deviation from the tentative game plan, the market will readjust accordingly, good or bad. So yeah, it is kind of interesting how the forward forward looking the market is as in that kind of aspect, because they're always trying to guess what they think is going to happen yeah. and, and guess what's going to happen in certain industries as well. But if they're wrong, it could be a bounce in either way. If they're yeah, wrong, yeah, or in yeah, direction. yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's if it's better than expected news, and they do the same thing with company earnings too. The company will basically forecast to say, "Hey, we think we're going to earn fifty cents a share." And so the markets kind of price that in. But then when they actually broadcast earnings, if they come out and said, well, we did 52 cents a share, you'll see the stock price, you know, jump. Mm-hmm. But if they come out and say, well, we, we only did 45 cents, we missed, we missed our, our target a little bit, the, the market will uh, price them down accordingly. So the market is pretty responsive in that aspect of uh, being pretty pretty uh, quick to price in changes uh, with companies or around the world. If you could go back in time, Glenn, and invest in one company, so you're, you're hopping in the DeLorean, I guess, here, like mm-hmm. Back to the Future, uh, that you knew was going to be the big thing, uh, which one would that be? So funny or story. There's probably a lot of them. Yeah, you ahead. ask uh, about a time machine. Um, no, I don't have one, but I did try and buy one in high school off of uh, eBay. It was like 2005, and it was like this guy on eBay created, it was like this uh, wooden board with all these electronics and stuff on there. And it was clearly the work of an insane person. So we bought it and they shipped it to us. Did it and work? No, of, oh. course it, of course it didn't work. But we, we kept messing. The, the funniest part of it is not that we bought it, but that we kept messaging the guy. They're like, what are we doing wrong? It's not working. And he's like, okay, you need to recalibrate the thermal throculator and then turn <laughs> the dial this way. And so it was really just this back and forth of us just, you know, texting the guy on eBay, like, you know, and why it wasn't working. So if I did have a working time machine, because that one obviously didn't work. Um, but this so, was a while ago, just so folks know. Yeah, this yeah. wasn't like last week, right? No, okay. 2005, when I was in high school, we bought it. But now, if fun. you did have a time machine, though, what, what, what would you do? You know, um, I think there'd be like maybe two or three companies that I, I really knew that were going to radically change the world. And I had that gut feeling, but I just didn't invest in them. One of them would be uh, Amazon. Um, I remember I used to be in the, in the online book sales business uh, 
you know, about 10 years ago, I had an online bookstore and I sold books online through Amazon and I really kind of saw what they're doing. Um, and I was really kind of, uh, amazed at the new technology that they're implementing their warehouse, their Amazon fulfillment services, their Amazon web services. So that would be one that if I could go back in time and I knew it at the time, I was like, man, this is mm-hmm. such a good, solid company. They're going to, you know, revolutionize. And I just saw the pace of their, their innovation was just insane and amazing. And, uh, I didn't invest in them. Um, but I, I knew that they were going to be big. And the other one was Netflix. I remember when I first got my Netflix subscription and that was when they were still doing the DVDs out every you you'd take two DVDs out. Yeah. Yeah, they'd mail it to you and then you'd mm-hmm. mail them back. And that was when Blockbuster Video and Hollywood Video still existed. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, man, this Netflix deal is way better than than uh, Blockbuster Hollywood Video. Don't have to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, they didn't even really have, at the time, they, um, they were publicly traded, but I just didn't buy any. I don't know why. I knew I should have. Um, and they had the online streaming content, but it was awful. Yeah. I remember it. Like, Netflix is, you know, it's come a long way. Um, and then they started slowly getting better. And each time it got better, I thought to myself, man, this is just amazing. And then one last one uh, is Roku. I remember the first time I bought a Roku remote like four or five years ago and I plugged it in and integrated all the streaming services into one remote. I thought to myself, I got to go buy this this stock. And I think it was like 20 bucks a share or something. Uh, and so... Yeah, that was, those are just some companies that it is really firsthand revelation of seeing the technology, seeing the company. And that was how I knew this company was going to change because I saw the writing on the wall of, you know, five and 10 years down the road. How is this technology really going to um, be heavily integrated to our way of life? So, yeah. And it's amazing to see just that one example, the example you gave there from Blockbuster, where everyone was going to the video store. And you yep. and I talked about yep. that way in the past. And then it innovates to it's showing up in your mailbox and then mm-hmm. it innovates to, okay, streaming services to great streaming services to a device that integrates all of those streaming services. Yeah, yeah We yeah. saw that within a, I don't know, 10, what, 10, 15, uh-huh. 20 year period. Yeah, so, so it's I, pretty amazing. Yeah. So I think when you look at companies and, and try and see where they're going, as you look at, well, what are, what are some of the needs? What are some of the gaps that we're having in our daily life? And how is this company going to either fill that need or make something we're doing already better? And so there's a lot of companies out there that um, have some great products. And they're doing some pretty cool stuff. So it's, it's the investing worlds can, can be very uh, exciting. And, and if you want to get more info and talk with Glenn, there's no obligation. Uh, 928-225-2474. That's 928- Two two five twenty four seventy four, and this is uh, initially when you talk to people, you, you get to know them, see if uh, what their needs are. Every situation is absolutely different. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and, and I don't make recommendations for people unless I know their situation um, and know you know what their what's important to them, what their goals are, how they feel about investing, uh, their time horizons. I really got to know the person before I make any recommendations. But then once I do make a recommendation, it's custom tailored for them in mind and. The more I get to know someone, the better my recommendations become because I really understand, you know, what their best interests are and can kind of cater a plan towards that. So, but if I don't know someone, you know, it's hard to, you know, come up with a game plan if I don't know them. Now I've got a question for you. Um, Do you still have the time machine or was it destroyed on the tracks like in Back to the Future? Uh, you know, it, it might my, be worth something now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, it was just like, it was random pieces of yeah. electronics and metal. Yeah. It was, it was complete junk. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd be nice to, to, to post that and share. Plug it in and yeah, catch plug it on fire. Plug it in. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what is something you would never invest in Glenn Ooh. that many people do? Is there just one or is there more there, than there's one? There's a couple. Yeah. Um, time machines. Yeah. Time machines <laughs> off of eBay. 
Um, that's definitely not one I would invest in. Um, you know, I've actually seen some specific types of, uh, variable annuities that I've seen out there that, um, as I looked more into them, I just really struggled with, uh, finding how they, they fit into clients overall picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one, me personally, I struggle with, you know, is I, if, I mean, cause there's nothing wrong with annuities themselves. I mean, some, some annuities can be great. Um, but when you combine the investment and the annuity portion in there, sometimes it can get a little bit tricky and there's just a lot of, I would say, um, not so great products in that field. So that's definitely okay. one I, I probably wouldn't be so keen to invest in or, frankly, penny stocks. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, pump and dump penny stocks out there that, uh, just go all over the price place for as pricing goes. And they're just, they're garbage companies. Well, explain a penny stock real quick to folks. Yeah. So penny stock, um, they, uh, it's considered anything under a certain price threshold. And I believe right now it's right around, it's either two or $5 kind of that range. Um, but they, they, they don't have to register, um, and, and meet the same criteria as a publicly traded company does like Amazon or Apple or Facebook or Google, that sort of thing. Um, so they, there's not as much oversight on them. You can still trade them, um, but they're like on a different exchange called the over the counter. And so what happens is unfortunately is a lot more shenanigans happen. If that's a good word to say, um, either with their reporting and their information and, and what the company is actually doing, it's really hard to get a good idea of what they're doing and, and if they're even a legitimate company, um, or they have, they're so thinly traded that people can manipulate the pricing of it, um, and really cause, you know, some unnatural movements of it. So those ones are, are really, I struggle with them because they just, because uh, if they're a good company, um, you know they can make they can meet the requirements to to go public and, and be on those exchanges. And so sometimes you find it's not, occasionally you find companies that are on the over the counter and are penny stocks that are decent companies that are just making their way up. But uh, most of the time they're they're on that exchange for a reason. It's because, taking a gamble. You just yeah, there's probably yeah. so many of them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can see them. You know, there's there's plenty of them, and they move crazy in pricing and. Um, yeah, that's something I definitely steer clear away from. Yeah. Is this the stuff of like nineties and early two thousand movies, like the boiler room and, um, uh, the wolf of wall street where they would just pump this stuff to oh, yeah, unsuspecting yeah. people yeah. around the country. Yeah, exactly. The wolf of wall street. That was something they were doing a lot of is that they called them pink sheets, yeah. um, or penny stocks. Um, and they would get people to buy in with the hopes that they would, you know, fly up 10,000% or something like that. They're like, Oh, well, it's a, only five cents a share, I can buy a million shares or whatever. And then if it just goes to, you know, 20 cents a share, I'll be rich. Um, and yeah, so there's a lot of, you know, what you're calling pump and dump where, mm-hmm. uh, because if you have low enough volumes, you have someone that has enough money, they can buy the shares and make it look like it's artificially going up in price and then get more people to get hyped up about it and buy more. And then, you know, the, the original guy kind of pulls out and, and dumps the stock. And then, you know, everyone's kind of left holding the bags and they call those like, uh, bag holders yeah, <laughs> at yeah. times. Yeah. So yeah, some of those movies you're talking about, they, they do have the, the penny stocks as part of them. And we've talked a little bit about cryptos. There's a lot of those out there right now that seem yeah. to have taken that place where yeah. many of them are pretty much worthless. Yeah, exactly. So the cryptocurrencies is kind of like the wild west. It's like a, there's really no regulation at all. Um, and there's thousands upon thousands of different cryptos. And uh, how do you evaluate which one's legitimate and which one actually has value? Uh, that's a challenging process for sure. Cause there's a lot of, um, I mean, even if you look at, 
the Doge coin, you know, the looks like dog coin. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy created it as a joke. And then all of a sudden it took off. And so the original creator of it was like, I never thought this would be where it's at. In fact, he doesn't even own any of it anymore. Cause if he did, you know, he'd be, you know, extremely wealthy, but he <laughs> kind of created it as a joke. And then it just, you know, kind of kept taking off and Oops. growing. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you'd like to talk to Glenn, give him a call. Uh, 928-225-2474. You can also go to WTWealthManagement.com. Let's uh, end the week with this, Glenn. We, we've spoken about this in the past, but determining how much folks should be saving for retirement. Let's start with that. And then let's get into, you know, how, how do you determine that number? Yeah. So when you want to retire, the first one, uh, the first question. Do people that, truly know that? Yeah. When, when you consult with them? I think they, um, most people have a general idea of, of 60, 65, okay. kind of that range. Because I think at that point, um, we most people are ready to kind of exit their career or slow down or go part-time or, you know, their health is starting to decline and they can't put in the same amount of hours. Um, but some people want to retire early. Some people I've met, they're like, Hey, I want to be done by 50. You know, how do I do that? How do I make sure that I can live the life I want to do? Um, there's this whole even movement to the United States called, uh, the fire movement where people are trying to retire, you know, really young and live a very frugal lifestyle and kind of have, a lot of time on their side. So I, I guess to answer your question, it really comes back to um, what kind of lifestyle they want to live and then how soon do they want to retire. And then from there, we can kind of look at what are they doing now and how do we get them to the their ultimate goal. And and usually um, if if people are saving, to, uh, saving 10 to 15% of their income, I'm investing it and they start young enough, like they start in their twenties or thirties. Um, and, and they have it in a growth portfolio. By the time they hit retirement, they should be in really good shape. Um, now if you're sort of playing catch up, if you will, if you haven't done that, maybe you're starting a little bit later, you may have to, you know, save a little bit more or get aggressive in your saving, you know, or get aggressive in your investing a little bit more or, um, save for longer. So those are kind of the three ways to make up a, a retirement, um, saving shortfall, save more, be more aggressive in your investing and save for longer or go out um, longer, go, yeah, work go longer. Yeah, yeah. So, and the interesting thing is, is that, um, when people think about retirement is sometimes it's just a change of pace where they said, uh, you know, the job that I worked my whole career was very stressful and, and maybe I've wanted to work, uh, in a career path that, um, I really enjoyed, but couldn't pay the bills with. And now that I've done a good job saving, I can go work that other job part-time where I can go, you know, do that job that I really enjoyed, but never could pay the bills. And I do that, you know, just a couple of days throughout the week. Cause I think as humans, we're, we're hardwired to have, um, we want to contribute to society. Do I think something. You do something. Yeah. yeah. So I think as you do get closer to retirement, you look at, you know, doing that, you should evaluate, okay, do I want to still contribute in some capacity? Do I want to just purely travel or do I want to just play golf all day or do I want to spend time with the grandkids? And so part of what we do and I do as an advisor is help them map that out and really answer that question. Of, are they on track? Um, and what do we need to do now to get them well positioned? So if you're getting closer to retirement, you know, a lot of times paying off some of the debt and being debt free really helps free up because then you don't have to pay as much each month. And so, um, yeah, we definitely do a lot of retirement planning and, um, you know, I, I also think too, the lifestyle you want to live is really important. If you're spending $2,000 a month or $20,000 a month, that radically yeah. changes how much we need to save for you in order to get there. So a lot of factors, that's why yeah, folks a lot of factors. Yeah. give Glenn a call. 
Uh, here's the number one more time, 928-225-2474. And you'll talk to them about all these factors, right? I mean, because oh, yeah. there's, there's yeah, so yeah. many variables here. Walk them through the whole process and, and make it very clear and transparent for them. All right. Until next week, Glenn. All right. Thanks, Evan. When you work with Glenn Least, his investment committee leverages over a century of combined experience to grow your money, not your fees. And they invest their personal savings the same exact way you they invest your money. Call Glenn Lease for a complimentary consultation at 928-225-2474. There's no obligation. Just call 928-225-2474. Or you can go to WTWealthManagement.com. Don't forget to tune in next week at this same time for another edition of Intelligent Investing with Glenn Leist on 97.1 The Big Talker. We'll see you soon.